Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. You're listening to The Real Down, sponsored by Catch Photo Release Tournaments. This is your premier tournament source. Here are your hosts, Sam Jones and Dan Barry. Just wanted to take a brief moment to give you guys a little idea how we do it here at Paddle and Fin Podcast. We use the Anchor.fm recording platform. Super easy, distributes our podcast to many, many different platforms. There's creation tools to allow you to record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. Check out Anchor. Dot .fm or download the free Anchor app to get started. Welcome back, welcome back. This is the Real Down on Paddle and Fin. We got an exciting guest for you tonight. Epic guest. It was a jam-packed weekend. This is going to be a jam-packed show. So, uh buckle up. It's going to be a good one. How you doing tonight, Daniel? Doing good, man. How about you, Sam? Tired. Real <laughs> tired. Yeah, it's been, I believe uh, it. You had a big weekend. We did, we did. Um, you know, and a, a su- successful weekend too. So I'm sitting here looking at a literal truckload of food in my garage uh, that was donated during the Turkey Bowl. I couldn't be more pleased with uh, how our anglers showed out here, and uh, you know, I'm excited to get to work on on getting this food to some uh, some needy families this holiday season and, and blessing some people. So, Very cool. How was your weekend, man? Good. Uh, just family stuff. No fishing this weekend. I ordered some new uh, NRS Champion rain gear, and I sold my old, old stuff, so I'm, I'm waiting on my new stuff to come in, hopefully this week. Nice, nice, nice. Well, without uh, further ado, why don't we go ahead and introduce tonight's guest? Let's do it. This week we have Steve Owens. He's a tournament director for Tennessee Valley Kayak Anglers of Chattanooga, was a tournament director for the Native Tournament of Titans on Gunnersville. Uh, that that was this year, and he just competed in the Hobie Tournament of Champions last uh, last weekend. He's one of the most respected men in kayak fishing, and if you fish against him, he'll probably take your lunch money, Mr. Steve Owens. Welcome. Hey, guys. How y'all doing tonight? Good. good. Thanks for being on the show. Hey, thank you. Appreciate the kind words. Absolutely. So, yeah. So, uh, first, tell us about yourself, Steve. Like, uh, I know you live right there outside of Chattanooga. What what got you into kayak fishing? Uh, well, you know, I, I grew up fishing on Nickajack with my dad, and my 
my papa and everything just out of a John boat or a, a V bottom aluminum. And, um, then, you know, over the years they passed on and I kind of just got out of fishing and, um, I'm from Marion County, Jasper, Tennessee. And, uh, so I moved up here to Saudi Daisy when I married my wife and I was fishing from the bank, you know, just crappie fishing. And, uh, one of my good friends, uh, Ryan Lambert, uh, had sold his duck boat and just decided, you know, I'm going to get a kayak so I can just slide off in the water and do a little duck hunting and fishing with his daughter, who was probably about three or four at the time. And, uh, you know, he's an outdoorsman and, and I found one or he found it in Asheville, North Carolina. And we left Chattanooga one evening and car topped it with rope and drove all the way back here to Chattanooga. And I fished for about a year pan fishing and, and he got into the tournament on a whim and, and, and had a blast. And, and so I bought some bass stuff and hooked one on purpose and dude, after that ride, that was it. I was ready to go and, you know, slowly got into a few local Chattanooga bass yakers when they were around tournaments and fell into taking over TVKA after part of the first season. And, and it's just been fun. Uh, just nothing like hooking into any kind of fish in a kayak. That's right. So how long have you been fishing out of a kayak then? Uh, this made the fifth, no, fourth season, I think. Four, about four years, four and a half, something like that. So. And what, what are you fishing out of now? I know you're on a native pro team. Yeah, I got a Titan 12, a Battleship Gray Titan 12. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's what I got too. It's definitely a great boat. With yeah. that, are you looking at the new Slayer Max or are you going to make the move or just stay uh, with the Titan? I am. Back up because I, you know, around here locally, you know, we get people wanting to just get out and try it and uh, myself. Lambert or Daniel Davis or somebody or or, or meet up with them and take them out. And then, you know, my son fishes with me some and, you know, my wife will get out and splash around a little bit. So I typically try to keep two and that, that Slayer Max will be perfect for, you know, just throwing it in the back of the truck instead of having to haul a trailer around. And actually Lambert and Chase Tanner are headed uh, to do a shoot in the new production models this week in it. So that'll be coming out pretty soon. I think they're down in Miami uh, doing some peacock bass and Felsmere and mm-hmm. uh, going out on the salt water to try to hook into a tuna or a, a swordfish. Well, how'd you miss that trip? I, I don't know. I guess I'm not pretty enough. I don't know. <laughs> uh, now, really, I have a limited amount of time that I can get off work. I got a good boss that works with me, uh, but I really only have 10 days of vacation a year and about four call-in days and my wife and I do a lot together, so the, the vacation days are pretty skimpy. So I'm in that same exact boat, sir. It's a good problem to have. We've got a wife that still likes it, so, you know. Yeah. So, wait, so you, we're having you on tonight, and it's crazy because you fall into so many boxes of things that are going on right now in the, in the sport. Tournament of Champions, uh, the big, big adventures, bona fide, native watercraft merger is there anything you can and like i know there's been a lot of information out there is there maybe something you'd like to say about that or just kind of some insight or something maybe people don't know or you want to put people at ease or anything else you'd like to say about that well yeah i mean it's uh anytime companies can you know merge bail out whatever you want to call it uh i'm from working class family you know i'm in maintenance at a cement plant now uh, whatever it takes to keep people making kayaks means 
multiple people are affected and they continue to eat, you know, and, uh, and that's always a good thing. Uh, the insight I'll give is, is something that people, I, I mean, they, they should assume it, but they always assume the other. Really, there's not been a lot discussed about the kayak world other than streamlining and manufacturing kayaks uh, at a better cost return investment. As far as staffing, uh, anything in the future like that, that's not been touched on yet simply because of the dynamic of having to figure out how to, how to make kayaks so people can keep jobs, you know? So there's all, you hear a lot of chatter, you hear, you know, uh, all kinds of examples and assumptions and just flat out, you know, none of them are true right now. They're just not, uh, a lot of people are jumping the gun on saying this is going to happen or this isn't going to happen. And, and, and to be honest, we've not really been spoken about much because there's a larger picture at stake here and that's, you know, manufacturing. So once that all gets taken care of, I'm pretty sure, you know, our, all of our identities will remain separate because, you know, if you start merging too much, then you've got the same brand and you've just lost one brand. So both are very popular. They sell very well. You know, they're well made. So, you know, that'll speak for itself and we'll just see what washes out, you know. I think uh, I've, I've owned both the Bonafide 127. Now I have the Titan 12. And I can say that Luther, from his manufacturing background, I, I don't see how it could be a bad decision to do it. Just the, the quality of their boats and what they can do and him coming into, into the big adventures and Native and, and all their other kind of brands that they have. I, I don't see how it could be a bad thing, hopefully. Yeah, I don't either. I mean, you're always going to complement one brand with the other and vice versa, but you know, if you start changing complete identity, then you lost what actually got you there in the first place, which was two successful kayak sale, uh, you know, platforms. So, uh, I see it kind of in just my opinion, and this is not any type of insight staying about the same and, you know, uh, everything that'll affect anything will kind of just be in house. I think the staffs will basically continue to operate like they do because it's obviously successful, you know, yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's interesting. We've got this merger. We've got what's going on with Jackson right now. You know, transition transitioning into this Jackson Adventures thing, um, and at, very similar from my take on it. It's really more about the processes and the people and the inner workings than it is so much about what's going on on the consumer end. Um, but I just wonder. Will we see more of these mergers and consolidations? And then, you know, what what does that look like in a year from now or two years from now? How does that start to impact the market on the consumer end? Uh, but uh, you know, I think I think you're dead on by saying, hey, let's not jump the gun just yet because I mean, this is very much in the infancy of what's going on here with Bonafide and, and Native, and and who knows what when those guys all get together in that boardroom and start putting their heads together, what kind of greatness is going to come out of there? Because we, like you said, we've already got two amazing brands. So I think it can only be positive. Um, if you look at it from that level. And I, I have another question for you, Steve, something that I'm always interested in the people that we have on show and the people in kayak fishing, what do you do in your normal everyday life? Is it something with safety? Uh, you just 
you cut out. All I heard was safety. You were, you started the question. Sorry about that. Uh, yeah, what what do you do in your day to day life? Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm a, a basically what they call a lubrication technician in maintenance. I go out and uh, all of our we're a cement plant. We we mix rare earths and make concrete dust, you know, powder and everything cement. We make rocks and then we grind it up into cement, basically. Uh, and I, I handle all the gearboxes and the bearing housings and all that stuff. I, you know, check them when they're going bad. We replace them, you know, fill them with grease and oil, drain them, change it, that kind of thing. Uh, it's a maintenance job. Uh, but for, since I got out of school, I was a reactor operator in chemical plants for 20 years. And then you know, we had a plant shut down and I took a year off uh, work. I was going to go to, to a little college here and get into instrumentation. Uh, my wife works at the nuclear plant up here, so I was going to get in maintenance there, but, you know, I was going to take a year off thanks to her, you know, and I was just kind of piddling around and wasn't even in kayak fishing yet. I just, you know, I buy and sell guns and vinyl albums and stuff like that, so I was basically just hustling around for a while, and a good friend of mine talked me into coming in and meeting his boss, so I sold uh, Mac and Volvo trucks for a while, little big rigs, and and then when I started kayak fishing, I was car topping a, uh, first was a, uh, uh, native FX tandem. And then I got a Jackson big rig and I was car topping it on a Lexus ES 300. Good Lord. Yeah. Yeah. So, wow. but I just, uh, I missed working at a plant. I just really did. And, and the money was great in truck sales. Uh, but I missed working somewhere with the fellas, you know, and, so some friends of mine had started working at that cement plant. It turns out my great-grandfather had worked there for 60-plus years almost, So, I, which I had done that. Uh, but I got on, I got a job there in production, and within about a year or so, I was in maintenance Monday through Friday. So I can't complain, and I'll stick with it, you know, hopefully till I can early retire. So I was a, pl I was a plant operator, too. I, I didn't have that Monday through Friday schedule, though. I was at DuPont 7 on, you know. The 12 oh, hour shifts and all. I work three on, four off. I work seven day swing. Oh, yes. I work on, four off. Yeah, murderous junks, what it was. But yeah. yeah. Well, cool. It's interesting to hear what you actually do besides, besides this little fun sport that we have in common. Yeah. All right. So the, the big question you just came from it. The Tournament of Champions, Hobie Tournament of Champions, everybody's interested and wants to know more about it. Uh, wait, you ended up in 22nd, is that right? I think you ended up being 28th, yeah, 28th. 20, I mean, still, just to get there yeah. <laughs> against all them hammers, I would have been, I would have been, oh, I've got an invitation and I probably, you know, my wife won't let me go or something because I'd be afraid to fish against all those people. Yeah. But just to get there was an honor and, and doing so well at the Gunnersville tournament. So give us a, a, a recap. Tell us anything you want to about it. Yeah, man. I mean, backing up to the Gunnersville event, you know, like I told AJ and everyone, you know, AJ and Jay and Christine and, and Jim and Jim Ware and Jim Clark and all the guys, my home, it's just something I like to do for fellowship in our sport is, is if my wife has to work during that part of the week and you drive through town and, and you know, come by and stay at the house, you know. So for over the years, they've all stayed here and we've become friends and family. 
so I knew, you know, this was the last one of the year was on Gunnersville and uh, the one here on Chickamauga. I mean, I was on some murderous sized fish. I was on a lot of fish in three different spots and the flood came. I got food poisoning. So I bowed out after mm -hmm. about happened, came home. So I was pretty dejected about that. So long story short with the Gunnersville, I knew, you know, for things to grow, whether it be KBF, Hobie, Native, anything, people have to show up, you know. And uh, so I just, I didn't really want to fish it. I didn't have the time to fish it, but I was like, you know what, I'll do it. Cause you know, AJ supported us. He's helped me from the basic agitated, aggravated questions that I just hounded him with when, when I first got started, uh, even just fishing. Cause he was good. And so was Jay and right down to spinnerbait blades. They, they always answered every question, you know, I, I had cause, uh, but uh, so I felt, you know, we needed to support him and what he was trying to do. Uh, and growing the sport, so I signed up, and, and I'll be honest with you, I got in the truck, and he called and said, uh, hey, man, where you at? Are you going to be down here for the meal? And I just left work and had a quick dinner with my wife, since I'm going to be gone all weekend. I said, yeah, man, I'm on the way, and he said, all right, I think we're at 75. So I pulled up the list, dude, and my stomach turned. Yeah. I, I was like, my God, I do not want to fish in this, but... I'm going down there. I had checked a spot for my buddy, Chris Walters, because he couldn't check it. I didn't want to fish it either, but I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go fish with my buddy, you know? And it turned out being the spot for both of us because he qualified as well out of it. Uh, so anyway, yeah, so, you know, going into the TOC, you know, uh, I, it was hard to get off work for it, but they made it happen for me. Uh, didn't have a lot of time to pre-fish, so... Uh, we, Ryan, myself, and Terry Golden, uh, another gentleman, he qualified on Chickamauga. He's one of our, you know, good anglers with TBKA. And Chris Walters, he drove down with his family. And then we also had Jordan Marshall, who won our Angler of the Year two years ago. Uh, he finished fifth. And then uh, Eric Thomason, they they were 10 cat up around Knoxville. And Eric Thomason finished eighth or ninth. They fished with us here a lot on Chickamauga. Our two clubs do intermingle quite a bit. Uh, so anyway, we, we get headed to the event and uh, we get pulled over in Alabama for speeding. Uh, Literally, we made it about two Do what now? Sorry about that. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I apologize for Alabama. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, my family's from Scottsboro, so I get all that all the time, yeah. But uh, we got pulled over in Decatur. And we made it about two miles into the next county, and we got pulled over for no trailer lights because a fuse blew in his G, in his uh, Dodge Ram. So we end up pulling over to Love's truck stop for about an hour. We finally get our lights straightened out by buying some magnetic LEDs. We roll into Wachita about 3 a.m. It's piss pouring rain. We get in, get bedded down. Adam Riser stand there with us, so we all get in and get settled. Wake up the next morning miserable rain all day checked out three spots they were blown out we just decided to go with one figured out a little bit on a drop shot wake up friday morning at five i cook breakfast we're ready to go the truck batteries are dead so we end up getting on the water to pre-fish at about 12 30 and get about three good hours in and all three of us myself terry and ryan rode together we found fish in three or four different spots so we had plenty of area to cover alone um, so we get back and we make it to the captain's meeting. And as soon as we walk in, man, this, I'm getting goosebumps. It's just, you know, you've got tables lined up with these massive 
you know, grab bags, you know, for prizes, a hundred dollar AFCO gift card, a $80 pair of Gerber pliers, just, you know, swag after swag, buffs, gators, everything. And, and knowing Adrian awesome. and Kevin and, and, you know, being a small part of the Chickamauga event uh, and the Gunnerville event, just walking in and Morgan and, and just everybody, you could just feel, you know, there was a buzz there. Everyone was excited and everyone was wanting every other person to do well. You could just feel it. We all wanted that, that crown, but you wanted everybody to finish well. It just, it, you just had that feel about it. And uh, so, you know, we get out there on day one and my fish were still there. And uh, it sounds stupid, but I was fishing a brand new technique. It, there were suspended fish in 30 foot of water, but those were the only fish that I knew where they were. Um, so early on, I got a few quick fish on a Ned rig, you know, just let your pendulum down. I'm a jerkbait fisherman. I got four or five on a jerkbait. Some of them weren't keepers, a couple of catfish. Um, and then, you know, just, I finally figured out that bite. I had to wait five to eight seconds between jerks on that bait. And that was painstaking with 20 minutes left. I hooked in to a, a really, really nice one with about eight minutes left. And she came up and I saw one hook in her jaw and my drag was skin tight and she pulled out. So <laughs> that was my keeper. If I'd have had that one 12 entry, I would, I think I would have listed at eight on day one. Yeah. So I was pretty shaken up, but I, I made a few more casts and hooked into two more and they shook off. I don't know. I don't, it just, it, it just come unbuttoned, you know? So day two, we got out there and, uh, you know, I, that, with five fish, I could have gotten a check. We knew that. So they went their way. Ryan did a little bit of filming, you know, and, uh, the fog was so thick in my bite. I had to see two different pieces of land and make an L shape and where they where those two lines connected, that's where my fish were. But they were facing south. And if I cast it any other way, I couldn't get bit. So mm. I had to keep scanning over them to see them because I couldn't see my land masses. So for the first three hours, I was on top of my fish all the time and I spooked them. Because uh, you would watch them video gaming, they would swim three foot under my kayak and then go back down. And, you know, as Iconelli said in one of the little clips during the Hobie event, you know, these, as it gets brighter during the day, they'll start getting more skittish, and they did. Uh, so I got a pretty bad headache. I went on to the bank for about 30 minutes, and, you know, got my bearings about me and got something to eat. Got back in, and, and the fish were like in a foot of water and, you know, up there in that good sunlight. And I, I was able to, uh, to get two keepers with about four minutes left. So that got me my four fish, but I couldn't get that fifth one. So it was, it was tough. It was very tough on a lot of people, but I'll tell you the truth. Those four days, I think I learned more than I did this entire season about fishing. I just so much did so much click being on that lake, having to hunt for your fish, scan fish, you know, two different styles, uh, style. I wasn't familiar with at all, a very tough style. Uh, and I, I did, I had success with it. I didn't do anything to mess myself up. I fished clean. It just, you know, it wasn't in the cards. Those fish came unbuttoned. So, you know, it is what it is, and it, that's how it all played out for me. Uh, but each day, man, you know, the captain's meeting, we had Subway. We came back after day one, and, you know, I'm an Alabama fan, so the LSU game was on, and 
Uh, Jay was in there riding me about that a little bit. He's, you know, big blue fan, but there was uh, catered in barbecue, mashed potatoes, potato salad, green beans, biscuits. So we stuffed and gorged there, hung out, you know, had a good time. Sunday, we make it back to the check-in, and, and, and they did a good job. You know, typically on iAngler and Tourney X, you can figure out what's going on, you know, a little bit. You couldn't. We sat with Thomason and Marshall, and Thomason was sweating bullets because he didn't know if he had made the cut, you know. And uh, <laughs> when they called him up there, you can read his face like a book. He was just like a sheet. He was just like and, – and so he was wondering, am I 10th? And then they announced 10th. Well, am I 9th? And then they announced 9th, you know. And that was exciting to watch, you know, being friends with them. And, uh, and but that meal there, dude, was country fried steak, you know, green beans, mashed potatoes, rolls. They, they, they hooked it up, and, and they wanted you there, you know. Yeah, you qualified there. their job to put on an event. They wanted you there. So it's just like you were at their home, you know. So it, it was a good time. You know, very cool. Very, very cool. Yeah. I mean, what? just looking at some of the numbers, what an unbelievably tough event. Only uh, 18 out of 50 people had a five-fish limit both days. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, got to be from, in my opinion, that lake is, is there's so many different ways to catch fish. Um, but it being the fall time with such clear water and uh, this time of year, you know, there's plenty of little shad, little minnows, probably the little green minnows. I don't know what they call them there, about three inches. Uh, they, they were everywhere, you know, there's so much for them to eat right now. Um, you know, like Ryan and them on day one, they, they found tons of bait fish with fish, but those fish just weren't eating. The, the fish that I found didn't have a lot of bait fish. So I think if you put something in front of them, they would eat it. And that's where I got lucky. Uh, but that's, I think that clear water, it, it played a whole lot into it, you know. Um, so basically when you're throwing a spinner bait and they're full, you just got to make them mad, you know, put it in front of them over and over and over. That's what makes Jordan Marshall so good is he's a heck of a spinnerbait fisherman. He's he's very, very patient, you know. Uh, you know, he, he's a lot like Garrett Campbell that fishes with us. They both can just like, you know, you may hate Jamie Dennison taught me this pretty early. He said, if it's what they're biting, I don't care if I hate it or not, I'll sit there all day long and fish it. And that's something I learned and that's what that's what got me into uh, jerkbait. You know, I, I didn't like it. But I knew here on Chickamauga in the wintertime, it would catch fish. So I learned it, and now it's, it's my favorite way to fish. You know, the, everything you're saying right now I think is, is a key point to what makes traveling and fishing tournaments so um, valuable. So I think most people watch or who listen to our show are tournament anglers. That's why they're listening to recaps and listening to, you know, our guests talk about tournaments. But I think a lot of times guys, you know, and, and there's a lot of reasons why guys don't travel money, a schedule, work, uh, family. Is it, is it, is it worth it? But, you know, we, we always talk about how much money can you win and all that, but the experience that you get when you travel outside of your home waters, outside of your state, is invaluable. I mean, you know, you were talking about how you learned some techniques that you've never, you've never tried before. 
every water I fished this year, pretty much except outside of the state of Indiana was new water for me. And every single one of them, I expanded on my knowledge base. And it sounds like you did that here as well. And I think that's something that, you know, people need to consider when thinking about, Hey, am I going to travel to do a tournament, you know, a few hours away or in my next state or something like that. It's more than just the, just the entry fee and, and the prize pool, you know, it's, it's the experience that you can take home with you and, uh, you know, use in every tournament thereafter. Yeah, you're right. Like I, you know, I directed the uh, KBF events on Chickamauga and Gunnersville. The first year I, I did, uh, my very first one, as a matter of fact, uh, here, and, and, and to be honest with you, what you, you touched on different reasons why people don't travel and this and that, man, I fished three tournaments, I believe, four tournaments, and Jordan Marshall called me. We've been friends for, you know, when I first got into fishing, uh, even though he lived in Maryville, uh, we just connected over over jigs that he made, and I'm a Yankees fan, so is he. So uh, he Ooh. said, what are you doing this weekend? My wife had to work. It was around Thanksgiving, and A.J. Uh, McWhorter and Jay Wallen have a snowball classic every year, and they had it on Cedar in Kentucky. And he said, man, I want to go fish this. So I said, okay, I'm ready, you know. So I loaded my stuff up and started driving, and Lambert called me and said, hey, man, what are you doing? I said, I'm headed to Kentucky with Marshall, and he was like, for what? And I told him, and he said, you mean that Jay Wallen guy? And this was early on in KBF. I was like, yeah. He said, dude, him and AJ are going to beat y'all skulls in. And I was like, so? <laughs> so, you know, what? so what? We're going fishing in the Standing Timber Lake, and and, and then it snowed. It, it was a snowbird classic, but but – from there, I met AJ and Jay, and I saw how they ran a club, and it immediately was just like, you know what? They're doing it right. And this was four or five years ago. So when I came back and we, you know, uh, had taken over the day-to-day most of TVKA directing, you know, it was it was them and Nick Brown who I asked questions. And, um, you know, from there, I met those two elite anglers. And then there's another guy out there, his last name's Stone, heck of an angler. You know, Adam Shepard. All of those guys, I'm a nobody. They met one time, and they're they're explaining baits to me. So with the KBF directing thing, we were here on Chickamauga, standing outside one evening, talking to this this, this guy. I said, "What's your name?" And he turns around on his jersey and just points with his thumb at the name on his jersey. I was like, "What in the world is Jamie Dennison?" Didn't know him from Adam. But I let that go. I was kind of like, all right, you know, now maybe <laughs> Dennison's a character, but that's one of the best people they ever put in a pair of shoes. He's a good man. He'll help you with anything that you need. He spent hours on the phone with me when we were planning the Southeast schedule last year for KBF, helping me with these lakes, talking to me about cranking stuff because I was just getting into square bills. You know, that's what you get, like you alluded to, when you go to these national events. Walk up and talk to these guys because they're just like with Akinelli and Jordan Lee and Gerald Swindle and Kevin Van Dam. Most yeah, of those guys are just as chill as you are, and they enjoy talking about it at length. And, and to this day, Jamie Dennison is one of the first people I ask anything because he don't care to answer it. And if it's stupid, he'll tell you it's stupid, but it's because he cares about you. So, that's what you get. so just show up, pay your money, and you're paying – for, for lessons, basically, you yep. know, and it works, you know, because yeah, awesome. I'm a good fisherman, but I'm not a good tournament fishing, fisherman until this year. 
and I just learned things from like the guys staying here at the house, you know, about how to, because I get excited. I'm excitable. I mean, if I bring a fish in, I'm shaking, you know, and that carries over into the next 10 or 20 casts. But now I, can, yeah, yeah. I know how to relax now, you know, I don't get in my own head. I don't take, you know, I take nine rods everywhere I go, but that doesn't mean I have to throw them that day, you know. Yep. Awesome. I think, uh, I think you are, that's a perfect segue into the next topic here. We've been talking a lot about you as a tournament angler, but you're also a tournament director for Tennessee Valley kayak anglers of Chattanooga. So you, you touched on, you know, going to these events and, and seeing how other clubs and organizations and trails run their events has made you a better tournament director mm-hmm. so l- let's get into to uh to your club and and what you think it takes to run a really good trail or club yeah uh the the first thing is uh which I, I i've never had much confidence in my abilities and about anything i just haven't and that's where ryan became intricate you know in it uh he travels a ton with his job he actually started TVKA with another guy and Seth Lasseter here in Chattanooga. Uh, but, you know, he travels. He, he literally gets home sometimes at 1 a.m. in the morning and, and he's at the boat ramp at 5 a.m. ready to fish. So, you know, I do a lot of the networking and prize gathering and stuff around town. And, uh, you know, he provides the, the insight and the knowledge and the connections with a lot because he works hard for those. <laughs> Um, and then, but you've got to have people because he and I did it together for the first couple of years and we screwed up. We did. We screwed up to the point where, you know, a few guys might not fish with us for a while and then they'll come back or, you know, we cuss each other out. We're mad about something because, you know, we're men and we're stupid, but, but it takes that after that, it was like, okay, you know, this is how you and I look at it. Well, we brought in, uh, Daniel Davis. Uh, which was a good friend of mine before we started fishing. And Garrett Campbell and Reed Harrington, uh, another one of our directors, Reed started the MTSU Bass Boat Club in college. Uh, Daniel, he's just a good facilitator. He's a supervisor at a trucking company. And Garrett Campbell is just, you know, a person with a ton of integrity and a very smart marketing mind. So we've come up with a committee in like year three, um, and that paid just huge dividends because it's Ryan and I think a lot alike, but it not not be what seven other guys think like. Those guys yeah. might think like Gary. Three more might think like Dan. Well, the next thing you know, you've pleased everybody just about. You know, the impossible thing to do, and we do in large part about the only differences we may have sometimes is like um, we're doing a tournament on Del Hollow this weekend. We start in November uh, with two events, then take off until February, fish February, March, two every month until the end of June. And then we're off most of June, July, August, September, and half of October. So all the good summer months for your family, you're done kayak fishing unless it's just for fun. Our season's over. Our state championship's in October. Our field has been set for five months. So we like that. Now that took some adjusting because a lot of people don't like fishing in the cold. Well, now this weekend, the snowbird thing we're doing in Del Hollow, we'll probably end up having 30 or 40 people there, which is big for our area because we've got so many other clubs. But to answer your question, to be a good tournament director, you have to care what the other person does think. 
people will say you can't worry about what other people think, but you, you should. If you want to do it right, where that person has fun, you have to know what they want. Now, you have to understand you can't always meet that, but the first thing I learned was when you screw up, just go straight to the front and say, guys, here's what I did. I wasn't supposed to do that. And, man, they'll be like, well, God, but they're okay with it because you yep. were with them. And that's all people want, and that's what it takes is just communication, which I learned to be good at early on. And uh, that's, that's basically what it takes. Prizes and things like that, you'll get those. Uh, now, that takes a lot of work. I've had to build a lot of relationships with that. Uh, I've had to tell people no when they ask for phone numbers and contacts because, you know, they get hounded by so much. Uh, but that's, that's what it takes, really, is just to, to care about what other people are getting out of their kayak experience. Absolutely. And keep it simple. Keep it simple. Seems like with the, um, the the last tournament director we had on last week, uh, that the consensus and having a group of people making decisions rather than just one person, it seems like that that's where we're starting to hear a few things that are consistent between what you're saying and what he was saying and and being successful and having a good group. And that's definitely what I'm having some other people and taking accepting feedback and taking responsibility that those three things are are definitely things you have to have to be a good to have a good series or a good tournament or, or a good club yeah it'd take a lot of stress off of yourself because uh, everywhere every club that, that in the country has one person that's kind of generally at the front just you know which is what i do in a lot of aspects of it because i have the time to do it uh, my wife works sunday monday tuesday Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. So I get two or three days in a row there where, you know, I see her in the evenings and then I have my, you know, my free time, you know, my son's grown. So, um, <clears throat> so that, that's what it takes. So I have the time to do a lot of that. Um, and you know, there's a fourth point to it is to not care if you get credit for it. You're, you're, you know, it's kind of like, you know, the, 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 the Bible verse that talks about, you know, you give love and don't expect anything in return, then if your motives are true, that kind of thing comes back to you full circle. And that's the way it is with this. Um, you know, you always make it a point to say we and not me. That's my motto when it comes to our community here in Chattanooga. It's, it's we, not me. Because as soon as you start wanting to thump your chest and I did this and I did that, then it's it's no longer TVKA. It's it's the jerk Stevo, you know, and that's just not what we, we that's not what we want. We include people at our check-ins. We uh, we put two sets of eyes on the fish for judging when we judge live, and I'm the third set of eyes, and then I log it on our MacBook. Um, and and typically what I'll do is be myself, one other director, and a random person, typically somebody new. That way they get involved in it. They see what happens. Then they actually see how hard it is to judge a fish when they don't take a good picture. And that person no longer takes bad pictures anymore. You're teaching while involving. And, and that's, yeah. that's yeah. what I really like. I like creative ways to get people involved. And, and they, they, they appreciate it. Well, here's, here's a question for you, too. Because here in Alabama, I, I fish in North Alabama in Iron City. And we, we uh, you know, all, all of our fish, our tournament directors, they're the ones who uh, look at fish rather than using tourney x why it, and it seems like all the northern guys use tourney x 
why haven't y'all went to that, if you don't mind me asking? No, no, not at all. Dwayne and I are very good friends. We use Tourney X throughout the season some. Um, like when we have Lakewide, uh, we, we typically every year we'll partner with a few clubs. Uh, this year, you know, we got – last year we got – I mean, we had 168 anglers on Gunnersville, 123, uh, 84, 49, 60-something. Man, we did – our guys were like, man, let's just fish together, you know. And so that's what we're doing this year. Um, but we use Tourney X when we do Lakewide events. What we do here on Chickamauga, so that you're not just turning everything into a honey hole tournament, we pick like a Saudi Creek, Sail Creek, and Possum Creek. You can only launch from those three ramps. We'll have a captain's meeting in the morning because for us, it's important to have those captain's meetings because that's where young people or new people ask their questions. Uh, they get their hog trough. They can get an extra one versus making it to the ramp if you have a just a, a get out of bed and go. They forgot their hog trough. Well, now they got to go back home. They're done for the day. And uh, that's how we do that. And that's the only reason we don't use turn hats on those. Uh, and large part is, though, is having somebody to judge those fish for you. Like, I'll judge for Ashley and the guys in Nashville on Tuesday evening tournaments. They have their tournaments on Tuesdays and Saturdays. Well, in their Tuesday tournaments, my wife's working, so I'm typically here at home watching basketball or something or baseball. So I'll judge their fish for them on their Tuesday night. Well, in turn, they'll judge for us if we ever need it. Well, we have all of our tournaments on Saturday. It's hard to give people to give away their tournament day or their family day, or you'll have to pay them. But we use Tourney X on our lakewide tournaments all the time. Uh, on Gunnersville, we're, we're partnering with Real Crazy this year again, like we always do. We'll probably use Tourney X for that. Uh, we use Tourney X for our classic. We use them for our state championship. Uh, we do month-long challenges about four months a year to raise funds to buy a trophy. We use Tourney X for that. But as far as like the other eight events go a year, we we do that so that it stays 100% payout. I got you. You know, that's you know, on some instances that can it's you know, that's 200 something dollars that is not in the pot. So that's just plain and simple. It's just a money thing. It's you know, and it's well worth five dollars an angler. Trust me. Whenever <laughs> you know, whenever it comes down to the transparency. Um, just the ease of having the fish. Like I got a buddy of mine in Texas that helps us out on judging fish when he's free and I'll help him. And it's nice to roll back up the ramp and, and just having the results and just start handing out the money and awards. It really is. Uh, but, it, but typically, you know how it is. You know, we, we average 30 something, but you've got about 17 or 18 core guys that like uh, in December when we have our honey hole terminal Chickamauga and it's 22 degrees, We'll have 15 or 16 people fish in it, you know, so. Yeah. The cold tends, tends to keep people away. Yeah, yeah. All right, so one of the coolest things to me about your uh, your tournament at your club is your championship. This Ironman style tournament that y'all had, you have to tell I, everybody yeah. about that. Yeah, uh, dude, I, I don't even know where it came from. Ryan and I, we were looking most teams classics are two days what you would want a classic to be is for two days that way it's not just a i got lucky and found you know there's fishing's got a lot to do with luck but but you still have to catch them but you know a classic being the year-end event that you know want to hang out kind of thing 
we were trying to figure out how to make it two days. Well, we've got multiple guys who have their church commitments with their family on Sunday, so they were out automatically. They weren't going to be able to fish it. Well, Ryan and I were talking one day. He said, well, what if we make it on a Friday also? I said, yeah, that's cool too, but you got people that work. You know, they got they got their kids. They got to get into bed or uh, or something. And, and he said, well, let's just make it. And he just said, let's just make it around the clock. So uh, I sat there and we looked at it and we were like from 4 p.m. on Friday to check in on Sunday. And, and in order to keep one person from catching 10, 20-inch fish, you know, because he could fish around the clock, just, just keep it at five fish for the entire weekend. That way there's still an advantage to the person that can fish around the clock, but it's not an advantage that a person who can only fish one day couldn't overcome. So it's, it's balanced. Kudos to you if you can fish 28 hours. If you can only fish 12, you've got a shot to catch 100 inches and beat this guy. So it, it's been fun. I didn't get to fish it this year because uh, our other director, Reed, works with my wife. So he's out because I'm not going to schedule tournaments when she's working or, I, you know, I'm, I'm screwed then. I did that one year <laughs> and she didn't like that too well. Getting home at four on her prime off day. So, uh, yeah. So uh, on the classic, I, I took it in. I took it, took a bullet, and said, you know, we'll have it on, you know, your off day, so you can fish it because he only got to fish three or four, and uh, and he ended up winning. So um, I didn't get to fish it, but the year before, I did the first one we did, and man, it was nice. It was nice. It was. Uh, uh, you got to learn game planning too, because that first night, buddy, we were ready to go, and I got out there first cast, hooked into some nice ones. Fished till 2 a.m., got home, exhausted, slept till 11 o'clock on Saturday. Missed the entire morning bite. So, now <laughs> on, I know, get off the water about 10 p.m., get some good sleep, and then fish all day Saturday and, you know, and handle it after that. But um, hopefully that'll grow for us. We, we, we had 15 the first year and 17 this year, I think. Uh, but uh, time of year this year probably hurt us because they dropped the lead. Here on Chickamauga, they dropped the lake level to a winter pool. Um, yeah. This year it hurt. It, it, it hurt us a little bit on fish. So next year, since we have so much off time after our season, I think we're going to move it back to some to the one of the warmer months, just so that people can get out there because then you can fish grass, ledges, yeah. downs, rock, everything. So. So I got a couple questions here that I want to ask. Um, you know, being a tournament director is a lot of behind the scenes stuff. You know, a lot of guys don't see what's going on. And I don't want to say that guys don't appreciate it, but maybe they just don't understand how much effort that yeah. you're putting in. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I got a couple of questions that I'm going to start with. What do you think is the toughest thing about being a full-time tournament director? You're not just running one or two events a year. You're doing this year round. What do you think the toughest thing for you is about being a tournament director? Uh, right now, coming into year five, because uh, I, you know, I work so hard to get so many sponsors. Uh, keeping up with that—that's the hardest thing because we've got like night eyes. I have to fill out a form for every event for night eyes. Uh, same way we got attack. We got hog farmer baits here in Saudi Daisy, who makes probably the best Alabama rig ever made. He, he's Aaron to yeah. Scott Schalker, but I have to go pick those up. Sportsman's Warehouse is our title sponsor. 
I have to go pick those up. You know, now Daniel Davis and John Ferguson and Garrett Campbell, when they're around, they'll they'll pick up some of that too. And Southeast Tackle, which is Brian Back, he works for Hall Farmer as well. He does good about bringing stuff to my doorstep. But uh, now we've got Yeti, uh, Spro, AFCO. So it's kind of – that's the hardest part is the organization of it. Uh, I've got everything on the spreadsheet, all of our tournament results, and it streamlines it and organizes it by weight, uh, inches and everything. But that's still – when I have to go back over and double-check that two or three times, you know, that takes me an hour. Um, like I got to do it tomorrow for the next season. It'll – It'll take me probably about two and a half hours to put it together, proofread it, go through, enter in some weights, some lengths, so that I can make sure it calculates right. And and, and, uh, and then at the end of the year, you know, keeping up with uh, state championship qualification stuff. And I've kind of de facto KBF ambassador, too. I keep up with who from the state has gotten in on that end. It's just not... It's not all the way streamlined on their end just yet, so that's a pain a pain in the head. But uh, uh, so I think we had like 39 people qualify through our club this year. And there's a lot of uh, cross pollination, you know. And heck, four guys from NACA qualified with us in one of our events down there. Bubba uh, Jones and them cracked our head one, earlier in the year down there. Uh, I think the top four out of five was them. Uh, so yeah. That's probably the hardest part, just the, the keeping up with sponsor prizes and the organization stuff. But Daniel Davis does a great job for cast, keeping up with our attendance policy. So, Okay. So now that people have kind of heard that and have a little deeper understanding of what it is you do, why do you do what you do? Man, I don't know if it's part of it's just obsessiveness. I do love it. I love the fishing. I love people calling and saying, hey, you know, my next door neighbor just bought a kayak. He wants to come fish with us. I, I enjoy that person's first phone call, filling them in on what to do, how easy it is to come and get in with us. Uh, I take pride in, in, in our group that every one of them will, will take that person and give them a new hog trough to borrow till they can get their own and, and take them out and show them a few basics, you know, and, and point them away from them but to where they can go catch some fish, you know. Uh, I really, our group is really, really good at that. Um, but another part of it is just, I like, I just, I think I found that I like organizing and building things. I just do. Uh, same way, like I told you, you know, I did, you know, I sold, you know, some, some firearms and vinyl albums and, and I used to deal with sports memorabilia and I ended up with one of the better collections in the Southeast. It's just, I think it's a little bit of a obsessiveness that, that comes with it, I think, so. Very cool. Well, I just got one last question then. Um, if there was one thing within the kayak community that you could change right now, one, maybe, maybe something that's thought of negatively right now, what would that be? I really don't know. I think one thing I would like to do is now that it's grown, everybody keeps saying we're in an infancy and we are to an extent, but we really aren't. I mean, we, we have arrived. It's here. You know, we just had multiple tournaments with MLF and Bassmaster and FLW guys in, in it, you know. Ryan and I have done fishing and shoots with Jordan Lee and Jason Lambert, you know. I mean, it's here. What I would like to see is some forum where beginners could come in 
and, and be filled in like we used to back in the old days, which was just three or four years ago. So I would like to see one localized, centralized page for, for new people to come and ask, you know, what's better, monofilament or fluorocarbon? You know, that we, we've lost that because we've all sure. advanced so quickly. And, and yeah. there's, there's a lot of knowledge there, you know. Uh, like just this past weekend, um, uh, there was an angler, I can't remember his name, and I can't even remember what I was asking him. But it's a technique that a lot of people know. And I just simply don't know it because I haven't been fishing that long, you know. And uh, uh-huh. it, it was, uh, I think it might have been Matthew Scotch. I was talking about catching suspended fish. And he was like, man, uh-huh. that is so tough. And sat there for 20 minutes talking to the guy, you know, about catching suspended fish. And, uh, you know, to find out that he struggles with it too was, was pretty cool. So I think everybody hates suspended fish. Yeah, yeah. Somebody out there has got it figured out, though. Aaron Martins, just him. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, so give us a what, what's going on with 2020 with your club? Uh, with us, uh, again, you know, I haven't talked to them specifically about it, but you know, since AJ and Jay don't have their bluegrass kayak anymore, uh, we we have an event on Del Hollow in November. Well, like I said, this coming weekend, uh, and Jay's coming down to fish it with us. And they every year they had a snowball classic and. And uh, so far, we've had three November events, and every one of them has, has a really good attendance. Um, so I think we would like to try to, from now on, have our own little Snowbird Classic because just for scheduling purposes, we do 10 events a year. And us having an event in November and one in December, because uh, several of us do like the cold water fishing. And we are two hours from Gunnersville, Tim's Ford, Dell Hollow, Altoona, we're two hours from everything. We've got it made here on Chickamauga. Uh, and in December, you know, you'll catch 10-pounders here. You know, state record was caught in January, I think. So cold water, ugly fishing, you know, you might not catch a lot, but you'll catch a beast. Um, and a lot of us enjoy that. So we'll, that that's here to stay. But those two events starting in this season for the next season helps us just do two a month. And then, like I told you, have all of those summer months off which is going to allow people to travel and fish these other circuits too. Because uh, that's what we, that was our nightmare two years ago was scheduling Hobie and KBF events uh, around our own. And, uh, and now we don't have to worry about that because we get finished early enough. Uh, we work around them. Uh, we've got a large, massive uh, bass boat population on Chickamauga from the pros down to our local Chattanooga Bass Association. You know, there was one tournament we had, there were 700 boats on our lake, and it's not very, very big. So um, so that's what we got going on. We'll have a November, a December, the end of February, we'll be back on Chick. We're doing two events in March on Gunnersville, so people can get pre-fishing in for the national championship uh, the first weekend of April. So uh, we're getting ready for that. We'll only have one event in April. Uh, then we'll do two in May, two in June. All of those will be on Chickamauga. Um, and then after that, we'll be off until October. Uh, Ten Cat, the Knoxville Club, they host the state championship this year. And that state championship, what that is, is in Tennessee, we have a governing body called Kayak Angler Society of Tennessee. That's CAST. And within that, there are 11 clubs. Uh, there's us, one in Knoxville one in Johnson City, there's one in Nashville, Murfreesboro, West Tennessee, 
and there's two directors from each of those clubs make up a governing body and we set out we, we come up with the rules for the state uh, so that everybody you know has the same rules the same judge qualifications and everything uh, you got to fish your best five events goes in order for your angler of the year points your top eight plus two directors from each club fishing a state championship and we hosted it this year on Lake Chickamauga we had 97 people in it and uh, uh -huh. it, it was awesome we I mean we had a blast we had it at Blue Water Resort in Dayton the city of Dayton always steps up with us here on Chickamauga with anything we need um, so we'll be getting ready for that so luckily we get to finish our season early enough to where we can go up there and, and hopefully figure out their waters because we won the team championship this year so uh, we were pretty proud of that paddle. So we want to keep it. We don't want to hand it over to anybody. So that's all <laughs> going on, really. Hopefully, Ryan and I'll get to do another tournament of Titans on Gunnersville uh, with Jordan Lee. We've had Gerald Swindle already speak up and say he wants in this go around. So oh, hopefully, we get to get up. We get all that settled with the man. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, so hopefully, all that gets settled. You know, so uh, there's a Bassmaster Classic in your backyard down there this year in Birmingham. Uh, yep. gonna be I'll down. be there for that. Yeah, yep, I'll be there as well. I'll be there as well. I don't know if we're going to have a paddle and fin set up or not, but uh, I'll be there representing TRC, which is one of our show sponsors. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, doing a little scoping for the uh, national championship. Heck yeah. But yeah, I, I'll be, I should be down there Wednesday night. I'll be down there Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, hopefully, uh, just mingling around. Uh, but that, that's about it for the club uh, and uh, just continuing to, to try to grow our, our field of sponsors because, you know, I do it in my mind. I did it at first uh, with prizes. It was like a badge, you know, a merit badge. When we've got this sponsor, they look at us now. Well, then it showed me very quickly that what that does is it shows these corporations that kayak fishing is here, you know, like. This year for the state championship, you know, I got Yeti. Yeti came in with us, you know. Ray Marine, they threw fish finders at us, you know, and stuff like that, you know. And, and they, they're like, oh, really? And so I'll send them links to all these past state championships on Tourney Eggs and the other events that we've ran, you know, with a lot of, with over 100 and something anglers in it. And, and, and that's my way of hopefully educating them a little bit so that when the next person comes up to them, they'll be like, oh, yeah, dude, Tennessee's doing this. So, We'll do it for Ohio and Alabama too, you know. So that's great. So that's all we've got going on with that. So, and then of course, you know, everybody seems to be the Hobie schedule is pretty legit. So it's a good one. I'm, I'm, I've been looking at my calendar the last couple of days trying to figure out how many I can fish. Yeah, sadly, I like I said, I only got ten days vacation and. My wife and I are going to Alberta for eight days and then Cape San Blas in Florida in August. So I, I don't know. I, I could probably sneak in one and hopefully I have another Gunnersville tournament where I can get in there. So, yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah. That's kind of the boat yeah. I'm in. I'm looking at it and I'm loving the schedule, but I'm just like, I don't know how it's going to fit in. I'd love to get on Kentucky Lake and I'd love to hit lacrosse again and have another shot at that. But, uh, I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully, I can get one in. Yeah, and that's a good thing. You know, Ryan and I were talking about people scheduling things, but, man, in the end, 100% of my tournament schedule this year was just, uh, I think it's going to work, and it did. It, there was no planning on my end. I just, I can't. You know, I've got, you yeah. know, 
family and stuff like that. It's just kind of like the weekend before I can go. So I don't get to do a lot of pre-fishing and, and, and a lot of times I think too much pre-fishing can kind of get in your way. Yeah, I'm on the opposite end. Like I got to schedule it way in advance so that I can get, you know, the time stamps in so that I don't miss it. You know, otherwise I ain't got a chance of getting the weekend off. Yeah. But luckily for me, it's just me and my wife. So, you know. Yeah. All right. So last club question here, the big (laughs) one, the controversial one, motors or no motors. (laughs) Uh, I, I, I think I, I think uh, if, if you were to have some sort of uh, pro event where you're charging people a lot of money to come and fish with limited time to do it, I think a motor could be allowed. Uh, local trails, we just actually voted, let's see, 22 people voted. I want to say 17 said no motors in Tennessee. Uh, and the reason I say that and, and it's a, is there's pros and cons to it, but my stance on it is, is pretty simple. We've got eight of us who can afford to buy a Torquedo or modify a Nencota and do it. All right. That's fine. But three years down the road, when you've lost interest in it, your son becomes a stud defensive end. So you've got to travel with him now, you know, you're gone, but I'm still here running this club. And I've lost because people are intimidated by motors and won't come and fish. All right. You can't get any new people. Yeah. So, but now here's also another option. Now that a person can just take a two by four and put it on the back of a big rig and, and mount, you know, his granddad's old 15 horsepower or whatever you want to call it, <laughs> dude, then you're good. He can do that now for real cheap. But what about this? And this is what scares me to death because we see accidents happen continuously on the water just from not even irresponsibility, just by the, the sheer number of people on the water anymore. You get a new person that comes in and shows up at your tournament in a, in a very inexpensive kayak that's not good quality. And that person has mounted a 45-pound thrust trolling motor on the back of his kayak, and you know how quickly they can tip with that thrust He's in the middle of Lake Chickamauga bobbing and gets run over by sea dudes. That right there is what just does it for me because it's no problem putting it on a Titan or a Hobie or a new canoe or a Jackson, but you put them on a Sun Dolphin from Academy and that person is going to flip. He's going to take on water and he's just it's just going to happen eventually. And it might not happen for 30 years, but when it happens at one time, that was too many. So that's why I can't do it. So... All right. Great, great point there. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I think everyone brings a different perspective to that. Every time you ask that question, I always expect to get the same run of the mill answers and people hit on some of the same topics, but everyone always has a different, you know, take on it. So I think it's always interesting to have that conversation. Yeah. And I've always been a person through my union committee career. I learned you have to, and it's not being arrogant, but you have to look out for the people who may not know how to look out for themselves yet. And that's what would happen for me in the new part of the sport. And in our club, that's I've always been the guy that goes and hollers at the dude sitting by himself at the bar. You know what I mean? Just yeah. doing, you know? And uh, 
Uh, I meant to say lunchroom at school, but <laughs> bar came up. But, uh, but hey, uh, it works. When, when in our club, you know, when we see somebody new coming in or somebody that that doesn't have, you know, the things that you think they might need or something, dude, people people just put it on them. They do. They're hey, bud, here, yeah. this will help you. And that's so that's what my heart always goes out to is just watching out for everybody. So very cool. Very cool. Well, we sure do appreciate you having having you on, Steve. I mean, I can't think of anybody who's a better ambassador for the sport. You're doing so much for everybody, and they don't even know it. Uh, you're a hell of a fisherman, and uh, thank you for being on the show. Hey, I appreciate it a lot. This is uh, this is probably about the second or third one I've done, and, and dude, this you guys do a great job. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Steve. Thank you, Steve. All right, man. Y'all have a good night. You too. Right, you too. All right, everyone, we're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back. All right, everyone, welcome back from the commercial break. We just finished up with uh, epic guest Steve Owens talking a little bit about himself as an angler, the recent TOC Tournament of Champions, and the Tennessee Valley Kayak Anglers. Uh, a club in Chattanooga he runs uh, or is a part of, and some really great stuff there. Yeah, definitely great guy, great ambassador, and somebody who can fish and tournament direct. He can do a little bit of everything. Uh, at the Tournament of Champions, the top five for that were, of course, Jody Queen, and he just destroyed the field. He had the two biggest bags at a tournament, and that was uh, – Day one, he had 85 inches. Day two, he had 84 with a total of 169. Again, those were our two biggest sacks at a tournament. Second was Matthew Scotch, who had 159 and a quarter. Milton in third with 155.5. Jackson Orr, his dad, far behind. But Jackson had 152.75. And Jordan Marshall, uh, one of our guests next week, he had 151. So, it was uh, only 18 out of 50 people had a limit, like I said earlier, so it was definitely tough fishing. And just hats off to Jody Queen. I've heard people posting that he's an artist and he's all the other all his other things, but there is no doubt that uh, he has a lot of respect in our industry and our sport. He's earned it over time, and he's shown himself to be just elite of the elite. To make it to the Tournament of Champions is amazing, and to... Uh, with the win, twenty thousand dollar big happy Gilmore check is just, you know, it's it's amazing. And, and from what I've heard, I've never met the man. Seems like it couldn't have went to a better guy. So congratulations to. Yeah, yeah, Jody. Uh, shout out to you, my man. Uh, we got to fish together at the uh, Trail Series Championship. We fished the same same little area on the first day, and uh, man, he was hammering them then too. He's always in the conversation. Like you said, couldn't have gone to a better guy. And, hey, proved that you can do it without a motor. And you can That's compete right. against guys in pedals. Uh, went out there paddling a bona fide and, uh, on, on a huge body of water uh, and, took, and took the W, you know. Um, and, man, what a, what a lineup there at the top. You know, you, no surprise to see Matthew Scotch right there in the race. Uh, guys just had a dream season. Um, 
Cody Milton, always in the conversation. And I got to give some love to my boy Jackson. You know, being 16 years old out there competing with the best of the best and, uh, and, and killing it. So representing the Hoosier State. So I'm proud of you, Jackson. And, uh, you know, what an awesome event. Absolutely. I'm, I'm just looking forward to uh, AJ. Kudos to him and all the guys at Hobie putting on such a great tournament. Interesting, fun to watch on the uh, Angler, iAngler app and watch on YouTube pages, all their social media. They're doing such a good job taking feedback from the anglers. And this is what a tournament series is supposed to look like. And I'm just excited for, I'm excited to go fish some Hobies next year and, and just excited to see where it goes and, and how it can even get better than it was this year. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more right there. hundred percent. So tell us about the Turkey Bowl. The Turkey Bowl. Yeah. We had some of our paddling fin guys do good in that, but tell us all about it. Yeah, man. Um, you know, like I've said in previous episodes, uh, me and my good friend Alan founded what's called Huger Kayak Bassin about a year ago now, a little over a year ago. And the whole idea behind that was just to be this one-stop shop um, for everyone to find tournament information, uh, to learn you know, more about kayak fishing and fishing in general, but really to promote this series that we have within the state and you know the anglers as well and help get some recognition around uh around the anglers so we got a lot of plans for that we're going to continue to build that but one of the first things we did to kind of kick that thing off and get some recognition around it was called the turkey bowl so we did that last year we had a whole five teams you know it was really kind of a a last minute decision uh we ran it the third week of november had some really bad weather but everyone really seemed to have a great time and and it was obvious right early on in that, that this was something that we were going to want to continue to do. So this year we set out to uh, really make it something special, make it a, make it a little bit more um, impactful to the community. So we added in a food drive. we got a lot of great sponsors involved, Paddle and Finn being one of those. Um, Brian, you know, the the mastermind behind Paddle Finn, he really stepped up and helped us out in a big way. But we act like I said at the beginning of the episode, we collected a literal truckload of food, uh, which is taking up half of my garage right now. I have a small garage, but um, it's taking up like half my garage, and I'm super pumped about that. We had 45 anglers, so 15 teams show up in November in Indiana. We couldn't have been blessed with better weather. We ended up getting into the 50s. The next day, we had three inches of snow, and the temperature plummeted into the single digits. Uh, This morning when I woke up, it was negative one with windshield. So, I mean, we we could – yeah, no. We couldn't have gotten any luckier, and that's always a risk with throwing a tournament in November in the Midwest – you know, this is a record-setting event here with the with the snow and 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 the cold this early on. But, um, you know, one day sooner, and it, and it could. But we were blessed, you know. And the guys really had a good time. Murphy's Craft House is where we had the uh, where we hosted the whole event. They provided us with ribs and pizza and drinks and chips and a great space, uh, indoor and outdoor space for us all to hang out. And it just, 
I mean, it couldn't have gone any better. I'm super excited about it, and I can't wait to blow it up even more. I got a goal of over 100 anglers next year at this event and uh, putting some more money and, and, and sponsor prizes behind it to raise even more food uh, for families in need during the holiday season. I think the number one, the team, uh, you did it three men, three women teams. That's amazing. That's something I want to be a part of, and I wish it was going on down here. So I think anybody that wants to be a part of that team, uh, you know, put together two in your two in you know two of your friends, homies, buddies, yeah, whatever they are, and you go out there and compete for a good cause and bring uh, some families, get some food. That man. What could be better? You get to fish with your friends and do it for a good cause and maybe win a little money. And, uh, yeah, just I, I was fun. It was really fun watching it online, you doing all your updates and seeing how everybody did. But, yeah, good cause and uh, and team thing that those two together is a winning combination for me. Absolutely. Yeah, everyone really, really seemed to enjoy the team format. So if you're out there and you're listening to this or watching this and you're thinking, hey, I'd kind of like to do something like that. I don't know how people would, you know, receive it. I'm telling you, it's it's going to be a good event if you if you do the team thing. Uh, Guys really, really like it. Yeah. And then speaking of the coverage, you know, if you guys want to check it out, we did do a lot of on the water coverage um, through our Hoosier Kayak Bassin page. So you can check check us out on Facebook and Instagram and, and see all the coverage from that and everything that went down. We did a whole live for our, the weigh-in and all that. But next year, we're really excited. We're going to be getting some bass boats out on the water. Me and Alan aren't going to be fishing next year. We're going to be just completely involved in covering it and, uh, you know, putting the spotlight on the anglers and, and, and really making a, a big deal out of it. We're going to be working with Duke, hopefully, uh, if schedule's permitting, to get uh, to get some pretty cool footage out there as well, so it's going to be a good time. Very cool. Look forward to it. I might have to come up there next year and make the drive and 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 show y'all show y'all what's up. Heck yeah, we'll get a paddle and fin house together and uh, we'll have a party for sure. So sounds good. All right, man. Well, hey, another jam packed episode. I think it's time we wind this thing down. We got a big episode coming up next week. We want to let everybody know about. We're calling it the TOC Roundtable. Uh, it's going to be a big one. We got a, this is the most guest we've had on uh, on the reel down at one time. So obviously Daniel and myself will be hosting it. But we're going to have Jordan Marshall, top ten finisher. Eric Tom- Thomason, also top ten, correct? Daniel, top ten finisher. Yep, fifth and seventh. Fifth and seventh. Yep. The winner, the one and Odie, only Jody Queen. And and you can't talk about Hobie Bass Open Series and the Tournament of Champions without having the man himself on the show. So AJ McWorther coming on the show and uh, talking with us about this event. It's going to be a great time. I'm super pumped. Yeah, going to talk about the Hobie Tournament of Champions, talk a little bit about next year, just all things Hobie Tournament Series, find out more, how they're picking their places, just pick their brains, find out, get more of the perspective from a tournament director and from anglers, and just, yeah, just see what's going on. I definitely looking forward to that one. All right, guys. Well, don't miss that episode. Go ahead and set yourself a calendar reminder for that, and uh, we'll catch you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Ooh, this is-
Did you know you could help support the podcast by going to patreon.com forward slash paddle, the letter N, and fin. You could also do so by going to anchor.fm forward slash paddle, the letter N, and fin. Go check out the website, guys, paddle, the letter N, and fin.com. Also check out YouTube, youtube.com forward slash paddle and fin. If you got a question, comment, want to hear from a future guest, feel free to email us at paddle, the letter N, and fin at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media. We're doing giveaways, announcements, things like that at Facebook and Instagram at paddle and fin. Shout out to our show supporters, Rocktown Adventures, Leveling Canoe and Kayak, Hammered Lures, Fish Mob Lures, TRC Covers, Catch Products. Go to catchproducts.com. You can put the Paddle and Fin logo right on your catchboard. Don't forget to go over and pick up your Jig Masters jigs. Use promo code PNF20 and save 20% today. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to. It helps grow the audience, helps others find our podcast. So please drop a five-star rating in on the podcast platform you're listening on. Don't forget about the Recycled Plastics program, you guys. Take your used plastic baits, put them in an envelope, mail them to the address in the show notes. Our man Eric Richards at Hammered Lures melts those down, makes new baits, and donates them to various chapters of Heroes on the Water. Four in the morning. Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew here at Duck Camp Dinners every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. I'm Will Cooper, host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast. For even more content, be sure to watch the original films from HuntStand Presents on the Waypoint TV channel every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Visit waypointtv.com to learn more.